Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and a big shout out to my international, national, and local listeners. I am so excited that you are here with us today. Listen, I want to give you a big shout out. And also, if you enjoy the show each week, I want you to write me at info at transformationforsuccess.com. Or you can Skype me at Dr. Period Barbara Young with your comments, suggestions, and feedback. I just love hearing from you listeners. Or today, you can call in the show at 818 346 9141, because we have a great celebrated guest today. You know, uh, last month, I, I, last week, I talked about March being our month that we have de- devoted to celebrated sports figures. Because as you all know, sports play a vital role in our modern contemporary society today. And it's become a major leisure activity around the globe. So, and with the use of media, we have coverage that has significantly contributed to sports as a major leisure spectator activity. And I believe for most people today that we have many sports enthusiasts and sports play a fundamental role, whether they are passive spectators or active participants. So today I am so delighted to have a true friend, Mr. Mac Calvin, He is a retired, famous basketball player and a man whose professional basketball career began immediately after graduating from the University of Southern California, USC, where he was drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA, drafted in the seventh round by the Los Angeles Star ABA, the American Basketball Association, during his 12-year playing professional basketball as a point guard. He was a five-time All-Star and a five-time All-Pro, three times first team, twice second team, All-Pro. I'm telling you, this man is so celebrated. And Calvin, I had no idea that you had played with the ABA LA Stars, the Miami Floridians, Carolina Cougars, Denver Nuggets, and Virginia Squares. And then from 77 through 81, you were with the NBA L.A. Lakers, San Antonio Spurs, Utah Jazz, which we're going to talk about later in the show, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not to mention today, Mr. Matt Calvin is a motivational speaker, mentor, and finalist for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. So today, he is going to share his transformational journey as a professional basketball player, and he's going to share some very interesting tidbits with us today. So welcome to the show, Mac, my friend. I'm so happy to have you. Wow, wow. <laughs> How's that so for much. a big old introduction? <laughs> Wonderful to talk to you. Well, when you were introducing me, I was wondering who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have earned You know how to accomplish all those things. Yes. Isn't it amazing? You have done some incredible, incredible things. And so I know, you know, it's like when I was looking at all of your background and knowing you and seeing you at church, I'm like, is this my friend, Mac? (laughs) Okay. I don't know where to start because you're so humble and uh, certainly you deserve every accolade that you have received and that you're going to receive as the Nia Smith uh, Hall of Fame. Okay. So, you know, since graduating from uh, the University of Southern California, you've had a stellar career in basketball. And I just want to know, when did you develop a love for basketball? Were you in high school? I'm sure you were in high school playing ball, but when when did you really start developing a love for basketball? Well, that goes way back, Dr. Young. (laughs) I tell you, um, I am a miracle individual that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. It's um, just incredible where my life has, uh, God has taken me and mm-hmm. what I, the trials and tribulations that I've overcome. But I would say my work ethics started when I was young. I grew mm-hmm. up um, on the farm in Fort Worth, Texas. A lot of people don't know that, but my first no, eight years. No, they didn't. Okay. I was uh-huh. uh, born in Fort Worth, Texas, grew up on a farm with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to plow the fields and 
do all those things, uh, plant corn and, you know, you know uh-huh. um, and so when we moved to California, my, my father was already out here. I didn't know my dad until I was like nine, eight years old mm-hmm. and, uh, moved here with my other two brothers, my brothers and sisters and <clears throat> moved to Imperial Courts, uh, projects in Watts. Mm-hmm. They call it South okay. Central now, but it was Watts. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where I really started learning how honing my skills mm-hmm. at uh, Imperial Courts Playground. Played baseball and basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, I really had some mentors. My coaches uh, really took an interest in me. My dad was an alcoholic, so he really wasn't around that much mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the evening. So the coaches really took a, a liking to me. And I was a small guy; uh, wasn't very big, but I was very quick and. And so mm-hmm. I would say that's where that journey started. I played baseball, basketball, and football, and and little league, and all those things. I actually was a great baseball player, but <clears throat> in high school, going on to college, I chose to go to stick with basketball. And well, so mm-hmm. that's one wonderful mentors more than anything. And certainly, my mm-hmm. grandfather was my mm-hmm. first role model. Okay, because he was a hard working man. It sounds like. Yes, he was. You know, mm-hmm. yes, he was. Uh, he had um, uh, seven kids himself and uh, had a large farm and mm-hmm. was one of the few African-Americans in those days that uh, was prospering. And uh, so mm-hmm. uh, I learned I learned quite a bit from him as I, in my later years, found out it wasn't really about my coaches. It was about my grandfather who really taught mm-hmm. me the work ethics and the principles that I uh, hold to today that I mm-hmm. share with you. Matt Calvin, 12 Principles for Success. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, it, and it's just evolved over the years. But uh, I'm just passionate about life. I love to get up in the morning. I love doing things for other people. So uh, it's a culmination of things, Dr. Young. Well, you know, I can see, I'll readily see um, where you were and watch. You grew up, you know, with your grandfather. Come to California. I'm sure that might have been an adjustment coming from the form into an area that didn't have a lot of space, <laughs> you know. And then the fact that I've heard from so many young men, and you were really blessed to have coaches uh, that took an interest in you and helped shape, and I've heard that. Uh, and, of course, you become a coach yourself. But did you, when you, um, how did you begin to know that you were really excelling in basketball? I mean, did you really have a feeling that you were really good, or did they implant that into you? Your coaches said, gee, Mac, you're great. <laughs> Did you have that? <laughs> no, not really. I just, I just evolved. I just played. You know, there was games to be played, different mm-hmm. recreation centers. Uh, I went and I played. I had some older uh, young men that uh, took an interest in me, and you know, I was a small guy. You know, and it's amazing mm-hmm. because I, as I think back, they used to call me Turtle because I was so slow, but in actuality. <laughs> When I became a uh, you know great basketball player, I was very quick. I was uh, for some of your listeners, <laughs> who, if they can relate to who Chris Paul is today, mm-hmm. who's one of the great uh, basketball players in the NBA. I was a Chris Paul of the seventies, and wow. um, you know one of the top point guards uh, to ever play. Uh, and so um, I really, I just played, and I just loved mm-hmm. the game, and I loved to mm-hmm. compete. And mm-hmm. again, I think that I got that from. You know, my uh, my grandfather, the mm-hmm. competition, the work ethic. But uh, I, I, you know, you, you mentioned we had a small home. When we first moved to California, my mm-hmm. uh, other brother and sister, we lived uh, downtown L.A. where the homeless and everyone lived now. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't suitable for my grandfather. And so he put us on a train and brought us back to Texas for about six or seven months until my father was able to get it together. And then uh-huh. we came back out here a little later. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, my earlier years, we bounced around and lived in different places uh, because mm-hmm. my father was, they said, was not uh, a man of character and integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he provided a roof, but he didn't give any guidance in terms of being mm-hmm. a, a true father and a, uh, mm-hmm. and a leader. So how did you get yourself to uh, University of Southern California? Uh, did you On a scholarship, or how did you get there? Well, Dr. Young, I had... Uh, when I moved, my family moved from Los Angeles to Long Beach when I was 15 years old. Okay. I went to Long Beach Poly, mm-hmm. and um, the coach there immediately recognized my talent. <clears throat> and so I played varsity on my uh, my junior year. 
And mm-hmm. my junior year, I was a six-man. And uh, Bill Mulligan was my first uh, coach that really recognized my talent. <clears throat> and uh, so I played varsity. My two years at Long Beach Poly, uh, mm-hmm. our team was 88-1. We lost one game. And wow. uh, the only reason we lost the one game is the two of our star players was late catching the bus, and head coach left them. They didn't play. And and uh, my senior year, I was, you know, one of the top players in the state. I was an LCF player. But you ask me how did I get started. Um, mm-hmm. Because we moved around a great deal when I was younger, I didn't mm-hmm. really have a, a focus and a, a mentality of education. And mm-hmm. my father, Deborah, was really uh, interested in my education. He was uh, fourth grade education himself, and my mom graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. After being such a great player in high school, uh, I, I had a little over 100 scholarship offers uh, out of Long Beach Poly. But the sad thing about that was that I, I was reading at the seventh grade level, and I had a 1.9 grade point average. And wow. In those days, Bless your heart. In, in the 60s, yes, mm-hmm. you know, so I had no real purpose of education and mm-hmm. a focus. And so mm-hmm. when time to graduate from high school, all of these colleges looked at me and said, oh, this, this kid is dumb. We, you know, we, we, can't, we can't get him involved at our school. And so, therefore, they backed off. And so it wasn't for Mrs. Johnson, who was my arts and craft teacher, uh, because I took, wood, I took metal shop, wood shop, arts and craft, and mm-hmm. it just passed you along, African-Americans in those days. And mm-hmm. so Ms. Johnson changed my grade from a D to a C in that, allowed me to have a C average to graduate from high school. And, and so, uh, therefore, I had to go to community college, junior college. Mm-hmm. And I, had, mm-hmm. I went to Long Beach City College. Mm-hmm. And my first three weeks of school, I missed class, most of my classes. And, and it was uh, a guy that turned my life around, my mentor, Chuck Kane, who was my coach. He didn't look like me. He was 6'5", uh, you know, Caucasian guy, and, and mm-hmm. he called me in his office, and he said, um, to me, straight up, he said, Calvin, you're doing the same thing you did when you were in high school. You're missing class. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he, quite frankly, said, now get out of my office. If you miss any more classes, you're off the team. Well, Dr. Young, now basketball was all I had. And I was going to say, yeah. yeah. And so as I'm walking out of his office, he calls me back. And mm-hmm. he says, you know, so many words, why so-and-so are you missing class? And, and it was a defining moment. Here I am, 17 years old, and I started crying. <laughs> and I said, Coach Kane, I can't read. And oh the goodness. kids, you know, make fun of me. I stuttered because I came from a, you know, dysfunctional mm-hmm. home. My father was, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, physically abused my mom. And so I stuttered. And uh, he said, okay, we're going to do something about it. So the next day he changed my classes and got me some tutors, put me in kind of like bonehead uh, beginner's English and math. Mm-hmm. Long story short, um, by the time I graduated, I made the dean's list, and I was reading uh, as a freshman in college, even though I was a sophomore. And, uh, you know, I'm all-American junior college player. Mm-hmm. I only lose three games. And uh, mm-hmm. I had about 50 scholarship offers, and I narrowed it down to USC or UCLA. And uh, Coach Wooden visited my house and wanted me very badly and. uh I, just, I chose USC because of its educational foundation. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got started. That's how I got to USC. And uh, I did graduate from USC in two years, uh, you know, an all-American, honorable mention, all-conference player. And mm-hmm. uh, it was really uh, one of the greatest decisions that I ever made in my life. But uh, I come from a very humble background. I had no value, no understanding mm-hmm. of education, mm-hmm. whereas today I'm a big proponent. Of, of kids and education and completing a college degree, college education. You know, one of the things that, um, in listening to your story, that just strikes me, uh, Mac, is that when the coach asks you, you know, why, to, whatever, you, you know, screwing up, <laughs> and why are you missing so many classes, is that at that defining moment, you became transparent enough for someone to see that and help you. And to me, yeah. that is the most valuable thing I think a person can do. And many times is to be authentic and transparent. And for a man, for a guy, I'm sure that was a little difficult. 
for you to be that transparent and say what's going on in my life. But most importantly, to admire a man who took you on and helped you. Maybe, you know, in some of these instances, when we cry out for help and let people know, help is on the way. Do you believe that? (laughs) Because you certainly have lived it. (laughs) I do. I do. I do. And uh, Coach Kane became my mentor. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was uh, at my first pro basketball game. He was in my wedding. And up until, you know, he died in 202 of prostate cancer. But he was the one that I would call because, again, I didn't have a father, you know, Mm -hmm. figure there in my home. And, And even today... Uh, I still volunteer. Uh, this past year, I was a volunteer coach at Price High School, uh, where Dr. Price uh, is is, is uh, campus. And uh, and I do. I have my basketball camp for 41 years, where we haven't charged kids. And I just believe in being a positive uh, in young men's life. And uh, mm-hmm. I just think it's so important because if I didn't have Coach Kane, I would have fallen by the wayside, like a lot of my other. Uh, teammates who were great basketball players. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the coach just didn't care about us. He cared about us only for the purpose of playing basketball. And it's so true today mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in professional sports in, or in high school. Before we take a break, I want to know, uh, at this point, what do you believe was your most significant accomplishment? Wow. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say... You know, besides being named one of the 100 greatest ball players of, of mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. uh, in, in professional basketball, I would mm-hmm. say the number one thing, two things, is uh, my uh, recognizing that uh, Jesus is the Savior of my life and mm-hmm. guides my life daily. Mm-hmm. And then uh, something I've never really shared with many people is that when I played basketball, uh, most coaches and players, we used to go to the racetrack. So uh-huh. I played the horses all the time. <laughs> and so the second thing that's probably most accomplished thing is that I'm a recovering compulsive gambler. Uh, 23 years, five months, and six days today. That I've not Wonderful. Played that. And, I, I, and I just played the horses. That's all. So someone might say, well, that's not gambling. Well, it was for me. And uh-huh. uh, I never uh-huh. went to Vegas, played anything. played, But that was probably the second most important thing. And then... Obviously, along that is, um, you know, both of my daughter, uh, Christy. Uh, so there are a lot of things. It's not the accolades or how many points I scored. Uh, it, it's basically, and then, you know, leading the life that I live now, uh, it, it gives me more joy and, and it's more rewarding. And then well, being I able have to, to say have this. an impact on others' lives. You certainly reflect that, and I want to thank you for sharing that, because that was your heart saying that, and thank you for being transparent again, Calvin. We're going to take a quick break. Listeners, I want you to stay tuned, because we've got a lot more questions to ask Mr. Mac Calvin, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, 
please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back. And I to my guest today, Matt Calvin, who's in my studio today, who is a retired famous basketball player whose professional basketball career began immediately after he graduated from USC. Well, Matt, I'm telling you, I I mean, there's so much to ask you. So I got I to gotta say this, you know, because you played with so many, many, many teams and you've had some significant accomplishments in your life. I, I have this quick question. Did you have a pre-game, a pre-game ritual that you did before every game? <laughs> I've been intrigued about that. Yeah, did. I, I did. Actually, I was very fortunate uh, uh, in pro basketball to play for a Hall of Famer, Bill uh, mm-hmm. Shaman, who coached the Lakers to 71 wins one year in championship. Uh, and it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he taught me a lot of things my rookie year as a 20-year-old, you know, like getting a pregame nap. And I would always have like a grilled cheese sandwich um, oh. uh, between 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a day of a game, uh, mm-hmm. whether I was on the road or at home. And uh, and then after the game, I would always have a grilled ham and cheese sandwich at home. So I was kind of superstitious, and uh, <laughs> and then I always would, um, you know, have a Hershey candy bar before the game uh, in the <laughs> locker room, and then I also would also, uh, you know, other little certain things that I did, little rituals. But yes, I did, and uh, I was I don't know if I was superstitious, but I just did those things all the time, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know, even that even carried over to my nine years of coaching in the NBA, uh, as well as in coaching in college. But yes, I did. I, I was, um, I, I would say, it probably was superstitious because that's what I did every every game. <laughs> well, I think everybody has some sort of, uh, the, you know, the players have some sort of pregame ritual, and so I was just wondering what yours might be. And then, uh, what is the worst practice you ever endured? Because you know, there's so many questions, and we I like to get to the nitty gritty of basketball, not just the glamour side. But what's the worst practice you ever endured? <laughs> if you can remember one, I, I never, I never had a, I never had a bad practice. Okay, know? that's good. I never had a bad practice because I brought it every day. Every, every, every practice. You know, the guys wanted to fight me because even though I was a superstar, uh, I just, I, I, I was tenacious all the time in practice, mm-hmm. and and the guys would say, you know, just back off, man. We're just practicing, but that was not my mentality. And I, I guess at seventy-one years of age today. I'm telling my age, that's where I am now. I wake up, you know, I'm 86,400 seconds a day. I am, I'm at it. I'm going at it, you know, and I just love life. So uh, I never had a bad practice, and I've had many bad games and and then uh, bad nights where I couldn't go to mm-hmm. sleep, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, never bad practice, you know. Physical, yes, I've gotten lip busted, nose busted, and all those things in practice, but from an emotional standpoint, no, never did. That's interesting. But one of the things, though, I do know, um, you became uh, one of the most inspirational pray- players uh, at the University of uh, Southern California. How did that happen? How did that come about? Well, you know, it's interesting because I look back, and mm-hmm. in high school, I was never the most valuable player. Mm-hmm. It was always someone else. I, I'm the only pro basketball player from Long Beach Potter that played in the pros. And mm-hmm. will probably be the only one that's, you know, in the Naismith mm-hmm. Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, I, I, that's just who I am. Even today, I'm just, I never have a bad day. I have a couple bad hours, but never a bad day. And I was the mm-hmm. same way, you know, when I played. So, you know, instead of the coaches giving me, at the end of the year, the most valuable player, they gave me the most inspirational player. You know, and like mm-hmm. at USC, I was clearly the best player in my senior year, but the guy that made the shot to beat UCLA my last game, they gave him the MVP. And, you know, I was first team all conference, and mm-hmm. but they gave me the most inspiration. So it was like, you know, we'll give Mac the most inspirational trophy. He, you know, he's not, he, he's our MVP, but he'll accept that. So that bothered me for years. And, um, and, you know, when I, Became a pro basketball player. I was all rookie, and five out of seven years, I was an all star and all pro. And so I really started getting my my the right accolades. But uh, 
uh, even now, uh, you know, Dr. Young, uh, you know, it's used to bother me you know, over the last three or four years that I haven't been uh, inducted to the Hall of Fame or selected. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and but I just now have turned it over to God, and it's going to happen. So I'll know in the next two or three weeks if that happens. So I'm just that's exciting. Inspired. That's exciting. I bet you're going to get it. I bet you're going to be awarded it. Which I don't mean to I, say I, I bet, so but I believe. I receive it. I believe. I'm, I'm I going, believe. Well, I'm inspired for you to say that. Just that makes me feel good. I I, I know all the great players from Dr. J to. George McGinnis and George Gervin, all the great players uh, come up to me and say, man, you deserve to be in, and, you know, we hope that this is your year, and it will be. I, well, I, 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 remember, not for me. I see you in the future, and you look much better than you do right now. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. But, you know, Dr. Young, though, it, being inducted to the Hall of Fame, which would be a great honor with so many mm-hmm. great other great players, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I want to use, when that opportunity comes, I want to use that as a platform to share my message to uh, not just young men, just young people, but mm-hmm. to people who are struggling in life that <clears throat> regardless of the odds that you had against you or where you came from, you can overcome anything if you have a positive attitude and you stick to it. So many people give up. And, uh, and so uh, that's the story of my life. I've never given up. I'm always persevering, and uh, I'm never down. And... Uh, so many people That's today right. are down and disappointed. They don't know how to uh, regroup and uh, you know get on the right track, I should say. So I want to use that as a platform to share with mm-hmm. certainly our young people today. Uh, uh, I want my fingerprints to be all over the, the spirits and support of all young people today in this country. Well, I, I think that you're you're living it, really. And the, I'm so happy to have you on the show to talk about it. It was on my heart, really to actually have a month on the radio show where we would talk about um, sports because it is such an integral part of not only just the life here in America, but sports all over the world. So it's so nice to have um, players of your caliber from basketball. I've had a baseball player. We're going to have a gymnast on the show uh, who turned doctor, incidentally. Um, So it's just really interesting to me to Look at the significance and how you've become so significant in making a difference in so many lives. So I have another question, um, which sort of lets me get into back into the basketball arena before we get into some other aspects. Uh, what part of the game basketball came easiest to you? You know, because some people say, well, you're just a natural. What, what aspect of the game was easiest for you? Well, um, <laughs> I, I would say my my God given talent, my mm-hmm. feet, my quickness, those are God given. Okay. And I uh, use that as an asset uh, okay. because you know you, you you can't be slow as a dry creek if you're playing basketball. <laughs> you know, you got to yeah. be yeah. fast and quick. You know, I wasn't blessed with a lot with height. I was six feet tall, but I say my speed and quickness. And then I would say my other asset is my mental toughness uh, okay. that I've mm-hmm. always uh, had, you know, even overcoming so many other things. You know, I've, I've been homeless. Uh, I've been a lot of things. And I think I've overcome those things because of my mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and certainly I had to use that as a basketball player because, uh, you know, it's a big man's game until you're intimidated. Uh, they try to intimidate you all the time. Uh, so I, I would say those are some of the positive attributes and, and gifts that I, I have uh, I had to overcome uh, my lack of height. You got to realize uh, there was 800 players drafted ahead of me. You know, my year mm-hmm. graduated in 1969. 800 mm-hmm. players, and there's only uh, three of those players that are in the Hall of Fame, and that's uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was Lou Alcindor, Spencer Haywood, and last year <clears throat> Charlie Scott. And all those guys were first-round draft pick. And then a little guy like me, who was 14th-round pick of the Lakers and a seventh-round pick mm-hmm. of the NBA and NBA. So I, that mental toughness and that stick to itness, I would say, uh, have been the, the greatest um, gifts that I have. And, uh, and if you don't mind me saying this, uh, Dr. Young, mm-hmm. only 2% of college basketball players, 2%, mm-hmm. are drafted and go on and play professional basketball. Only 2%. Uh, 
And wow. the lifespan of a professional basketball player is three to four years. And then the other thing is 85, 82% mm-hmm. of professional athletes are bankrupt after three years uh, after they retire from the game. So it's, you know, if I had a son, I would direct him into, uh, you know, education and being uh, something where he would have a long, he or she would have a long career. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not very supportive today of these young kids coming out of college and playing one year of college and then going into the post. I was going to ask you that question that. because um, I did uh, ask uh, a person about that. Should young basketball players today be recruited into the NBA right out of high school? So obviously your view is no, <laughs> no, you do not believe they should. Um, no, one of the, no, go ahead. I don't. I, 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 no, I, I, I was going to say, you know, right now the – the NBA has it where you have to be at least 20 years of age or one year mm-hmm. of college. In mm-hmm. 2022, they're going back to drafting kids out of high school. And, 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 and basically, you know, most of the kids that are, or are going to be drafted out of high school or declare for the draft are African-American young men. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and what's going to happen is that they're going to lose out on that opportunity to get an education. And I think that's a sad note because, as you well know, it takes, uh, you know, that's where you develop your social skills and relationships and all those things at, a, at the college. And that's why today the commissioner a couple of weeks ago said that most of our kids in the NBA are, you know, they're not happy and they're not engaging. Well, uh, that, that's no secret because of the fact that they have not developed any social skills by going to college. Well, and, uh, and it's more than just the social skills, too, because I asked this question last week and I had a discussion about this, uh, about a young man who's at a, at a college right now, and he is MVP, and I understand they're going to recruit him to the NBA, and that he is not getting paid while he's in college playing this ball, but they're making a lot of money off of him. There were people that paid, well, I'm not going to name the player, but there were people that paid as much as almost $10,000 for a seat in this college uh, football game to see him play. So now my understanding is once he's recruited into the NBA, he gets to sign a $10 million contract. Now, my question was, and I'm sure you have the same view I do, is what, uh, in terms of financial acumen, does he have um, do and I asked, do they get guidance? Do they have financial advisors? Do the coaches, you know, because you're signing a $10 million contract. And as you know, a lot of players have been um, embroiled with ex-wives, children, you know, all kinds of issues because they had no one to advise them with, you get this much money and how to actually, you know, <laughs> do it. So that was sort of my question was about college athletes being paid to play basketball, but not having that guidance. Well, one of the things that I was told very quickly was that coaches are in it to win. It is not about a lot of the the financial counseling, a lot of that, because if they don't win, they're gone. That's what I heard. So am I right? (laughs) That's true. No, you're absolutely correct. And um, I do believe that college kids should get a stipend, or have an opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, make additional monies. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a person that's at school can be in the movies, or he could be he can make additional monies and not be uh, penalized. Whereas mm-hmm. an athlete has to focus, and if he gets an outside job, or if he's making money on royalties or endorsements, signing autographs, or using his likeness, uh, he's ineligible. So there's 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 a, a major issue there, but I don't believe players should be be paid uh, while they're still amateurs and playing in college, college okay. sports. Yes, okay. they do. Those universities do make a lot of money. I mean, USC, their net profit and their, from the football is a little over $100 million annually, and that's when they're having great years. So it's anywhere from 80 to $100 million. That's a net profit off the expenses. Now, that's off the backs of these young men. But mm-hmm. they also the scholarship at USC is sixty thousand, seventy five thousand dollars a year, and mm-hmm. so uh, I'd rather have an education versus paying a kid a you know a high salary or a stipend while you're still playing. 
there's a there's a major difference between amateur amateurism and and professional bas and professional sports. Major difference. See, when you start paying these kids, then you have these uh, outsiders, <laughs> agents, and everyone involved. And uh, I think that's what uh, needs to take place: is that keep these agents out. And I think you see that happening now with some of the indictments that have come out of the mm-hmm. FBI over the last two years from a lot of these coaches, as well as these street agents, as well as these shoe companies that are paying these kids to go to certain colleges. Mm-hmm. I, I'm totally against that. And I think you're going to see more reform uh, from the profession, from the college, collegiate level in the coming years. Mm-hmm. And um, when you take down a guy like Rick Pitino, who is one of the top coaches ever, making $25 million or $20 million a year, and... Uh, then it speaks volume to the severity and the problem in, mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. basketball today. So well, I don't I know, know if I answered your question or not. But well, no, no, you time, actually did. Because I was a little, well, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't certain about uh, this until I heard that about athletes, you know, uh, being going to college for one year, playing ball, if they're really exceptional, then they get recruited right to the NBA. So, um, there's pros and cons, of course, you know, always uh, about that issue. And I was wondering your issue, because I kind of like went, what? <laughs> because they have no guidance in terms, you know, of how to spend the money, how to be prudent and wise, which leads me into, you came up with um, some principles of success, which I really like. And I think that those principles, uh, to your 12 principles of success, Mac, will actually be applicable to anyone, whether it's for life or if you're an entrepreneur or in whatever profession you're in. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your 12 principles of success. So thank you, listeners. We're going to be right back with the famous Matt Calvin, who I know is going to be in the Hall of Fame, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. So thank you for listening. We'll be right back. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my interview today with Matt Calvin, uh, I, a retired professional basketball player and motivational speaker. So Mac has 12 principles of success. And as we went on break, I talked about how these principles of success can be applicable to anyone in any particular career. So Mac, kind of share your 12 principles. And was this based on personal experience? Where did you develop these? Share with me. Uh, pretty much based on uh, my personal experiences, you know, my, mm-hmm. my, my failures really okay. came out of my failures more than, I mean, and, and I think the greatest thing that what we have to do is, uh, as individuals mm-hmm. is uh, do some introspection of ourselves. Absolutely. You know, I think too often uh, we fail to like, why am I failing in my marriage? Why am I failing in my business? Why am I failing in my job, my relationship? Mm-hmm with my kids. And so we have to understand. So I think for me, uh, you know, and I have those two principles, one of the greatest is, what is your why? Mm-hmm. What okay. is your why? Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you uh, have this show, 
transformation mm-hmm. of success. You know, and it's because you've been able to transform and do things in your life that now you put this show together, you can share with others, you know, transformation. Your guest speakers come on, share a little bit about their life. And so uh, my why, you know, why, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. was I successful? Why did I fail? What is, mm-hmm. what is your big why? You have to, why, why do you want to be uh, in a relationship? Why do you want to be married? Why do you have mm-hmm. a personal relationship with God? There's mm-hmm. so many and then right. I think, uh, and I'm giving them in different order, but oh, that's okay. take responsibility for your life. You mm-hmm. know, take responsibility for your life. And people fail to do that. You know, they blame everyone else, but instead of taking responsibility, you know what, I messed up and I have got to make amends, so I've got to go back to that person. And I think, you know, being a reformed compulsive gambler and being in a program, you know, we learn to you know, to go back and say to that person that you may have hurt, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I am sorry that I did this 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Because if not, people continue to do the same thing. So they take do. responsibility. And then, you know, one of the things that, that are, is important to me, and, you know, I, 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 I'm at a church every Sunday under Bishop Blake at, you know, West Angeles Church mm-hmm. of God in Christ, is mm-hmm. that he's a very humble man. And, you know, so I've learned humility. And you learn humility through defeat. You learn humility by setbacks. And you learn mm-hmm. humility, mm-hmm. you know, by accepting responsibility. And, and then, you know, again, not in certain order, surround yourself around passionate people. People that are uh, not just going to pat you on the back and shoulder and say, you did a great job, or thank you for treating us for dinner this week or today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who don't want anything from you, but they want mm-hmm. to be supportive and vice versa. Supportive, passionate, caring, loving people. Too mm-hmm. often in professional ball, you see so many athletes that are around, and, and, and it's, I, I can, don't want to name the names, that they're just takers. They're their homeboys. That's right. They grew up with right. them, and now they're making so much money. They're paying millions out annually to their friends to travel with them to to stay in hotels and all those things. So, you know, surround yourself around people, the passion of people, and then give mm-hmm. unconditional love. That is so important. Yes, you know, it unconditional is. Unconditional love is free. You know, it's a free gift that God has given us, you know. And, and so I think that is important, not just to our friends, but give back. If you've made it, continue to give back, and you will continue to be blessed. And then patient, persistence, and perseverance. And I think those are really uh, important factors and keys to anyone's success because we live in a, a microwave, high technology system today, world today, where everybody wants instant gratification. They want things right now because the technology. And and I truly believe those three P's, patient, persistence, and perseverance, are really keys. You know, you can't get everything right now that you want, like our young people want. So I try to tell these to the young kids that I coach and I mentor. And then education, wisdom, knowledge is a great equalizer. I Uh think that Uh is so important. Without an education, without wisdom, without knowledge. And that all comes from young people not going to get it right off because they've got to make mistakes and learn from their mistakes, Uh gain Uh knowledge. But education for our young people, and certainly uh, African-American uh, young men and women is so important. And and and, uh, and and what is your vision? What is your goal? What is your vision? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you want to do in life? What do you, where do you want to be ten years from now? I ask all these young kids at my basketball camp, which I've had the, my forty first year this coming summer. I have about anywhere from eighty to one hundred and thirty kids. What is your vision? What do you want to be? Everybody want to be a basketball player. Well. You're not going to be a basketball player. <laughs> Only 2% are going to be professional athletes, a basketball player. What else you want to do? What is your vision? What do you want to be? And well, these, so are are, mm-hmm. these are actually, these are certain uh, notable goals. And uh, I'm looking at your list, and I know, you, you know you've given them, and they are absolutely wonderful. I like that take responsibility for your life. I usually say take 100% responsibility. <laughs> take 100% responsibility for your life. But do you find, and I'm going to segue quickly because I want to share something that happened last night. 
Uh, do you find that uh, a lot of people are in this in these areas that still have a lot of work to do, particularly the younger people on patients uh, and maybe developing that insane work ethic you talk about? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But, but, and, and that's just youth. That's just, that's just youth. And that's why uh-huh. for us who have been there to have to reach back and give back. And I think we have to be patient with them, too. Because, um, you know, our parents were patient with us. I think we have to be a little patient with them and help them grow. And even if it's a a 29-year-old millennial, because the the world is different from when when you were growing up or I was growing up. We're in the social media. The digital age is here. Patience is an attribute. But it's so much is that is done now and accomplished without having patience. It's just everything is just there for you. So I want to thank you for clarifying the 12 principles of assess because I think they're they're all applicable and you hear them in one way or the other. I wish we'd have more of these maybe plastered on TV <laughs> so people could see principles of assess. This is what it takes. So I'm going to quickly um, thank you for that and segue into something that uh, clearly uh, happened last night and I wanted to get your take on it. The NBA player Russell Westbrook got into a heated argument with a fan who was shouting at him during a game. And it's, it's all over the news how he responded to that fan and how the situation could have been handled differently. So, Mac, what's your viewpoint on this? Well, I, I actually saw um, a tapes, uh, you know, an mm-hmm. replay of it and heard the words from Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. who I know very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had him at my camp when he was a kid in James Harden. He is 110% wrong in this situation. 110% wrong. And I don't want to use the words, I will not use the words that he said to this particular fan. The fan was wrong. The fan has a right to sit there. Mm-hmm. The fan, uh, my understanding, did not use any uh, profanity to Russell Westbrook, and, but Russell said some very damaging um, terrorist type of uh, comments to this 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 fan and his wife mm-hmm. that I don't think is going to haunt him until he retires. And, wow. And and, uh, and and so you have in the NBA it has there's a sign that says no fan should be able to use verbal abuse or to uh, you know physically mm-hmm. touch a player. This man didn't do that. He sat on the on the sideline, baseline, right next to the bench, and he was taunting Russell Westbrook throughout the whole game, even last year. This same altercation, not from this particular fan. The fans in Utah, like fans at Lakers and other places, they're very supportive, and you know they they love mm-hmm. their home team. And this but should have but should have the whole. But Matt, should a I'm paying sorry. fan should a paying fan at a sporting event, have the right to verbally attack a player and not suffer some consequence. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. Well, they can, fans all the time, if you verbally use profanity, then you're mm-hmm. thrown, immediately thrown out of the game and could be banned. There have been fans banned from the arena, not to come back again. But to my understanding, on a dozen accounts from you know, different media reports, the fan never said anything verbally or uh, profanity to Russell Westbrook. Oh, he did. He got okay. under Russell. He got under Russell's skin, and okay. I mean there was security guards, police officers all around Russell. So it wasn't anything this fan was going to do to Russell. I mean, the fan, the players are very well protected. But so, this player, yeah. this fan, got under Russell's skin, and he reacted. And this guy is a okay. superstar, two years ago, most valuable player, and he reacted in a very. Uh, demonstrative, wrong uh, posture, in my opinion. He was unprofessional. He was unprofessional. Very unprofessional. Tremendously unprofessional. And, you know, I'm sure that some of your listeners and somebody might pick this up, what I'm saying, and and will Facebook it or whatever, but Russell Westbrook was 110% wrong. Well, uh, I think think uh, it's, it's funny. Joel Osteen had a message this morning about not taking issue and being the person who lets things go. You don't have to always accept the challenge. You can let some things go by and be the better person, not the one. Because now we look at Russell uh, Westbrook as the person who's not the better person. 
But I, I, that's how I see it, and that many times yes. there are fights that really, that people will provoke you, but it's up to you to be the better person. And I think that was the message I got today, no matter what may come against you. And for listeners out there, because so, there are going to be people that are going to say things to you that will rub you wrong. It may even be in a relationship. It may be with a marital partner. But you have a choice. And I think you talked about a little bit about that because everything in life is about a choice. You take 100% yeah. responsibility for your life, if you pointed out. You can stop complaining. Shut your mouth. Don't complain. <laughs> Mac, I'm no, looking at I, all your 12, I, I agree with 12 you. principles. And, and- <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, being the great player, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, Dr. Young, from last night on to the remaining of Russell Westbrook's career, fans are going to taunt him and they are going to get under his skin. And Russell Westbrook plays the game the right way. He comes to play. He plays, he plays angry all the time. I mean, that's well, because he wasn't, he wasn't thought of in high school. He wasn't highly... Uh, was not a good player, and he didn't get selected. And so he went to UCLA, and when he got drafted, uh, he, you know, people was amazed that he got drafted so high by uh, you know what, Oklahoma. Mac, I have to cut you off because we are running out of time, and I just want to thank you so much okay. for sharing. But I didn't want to keep going on Westbrook because I wanted to just say thanks yes. to you so much for sharing and for your caring and for being on the show today. And just a note that this man has scored over 13,000 points. Is that right? 13,000 points in professional basketball. And I want to wish you much success in becoming the next Hall of Famer. So for those of you out there, please get your friends to download this show. Uh, They can do it on iTunes or they can go to my free app, Dr. Barbara Young, through Google or Apple. Or you can download Transformation for Success bit. Lee, and that's B-I-T dot L-Y. Share with your friends today the show with Mr. Mac Calvin. And Mac, again, I just want to go really quickly, if I got time, your 12 principles. Focus, concentration. What is your why? What is your vision goal? Passion, develop an insane work ethic. He also espoused education, wisdom, Knowledge is the great equalizer. Discipline. Take responsibility for your life. Stop complaining. Stay humble. Surround yourself with passionate people. Give unconventional love. Have patience, persistence, and perseverance. These are Matt Calvin's 12 Principles of Success. I want to wish you all a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Transformation for Success today. Appreciate your write-in, and you can always call me. But until next week, be blessed. We have a great gymnast that's going to be on the show next week who turned his life over to become a medical doctor. You want to hear his transformational story. So thank you for tuning in. This is Dr. Barbara Young signing off. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Calvin. Goodbye. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week.